time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very special episode 21 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. We're taking a little bit of a diversion from our usual review, seeing as there is nothing to review, but instead I've do, I'm doing something I've wanted to do for a very long time, and it's a, a kind of style of podcast I'm going to slot intermediately into this um, when I don't have anything to review, and it's called uh, This Is Your Hobby Life, and I'm going to be grabbing a, a close friend or a member of the community. I'm going to be talking to them about their, their journey through the hobby and through the community, and I'm so amazingly blessed today to be joined by the incredible Adam Abramowitz. Hello, my mate, my very, very good mate. How are you? <laughs> How's it going, Adam? I'm really, especially because I'm looking at the rundown that you sent me, I'm really surprised because that's the first time probably in two years that you've not called me Abramatitties. <laughs> that's the that's a special name. <laughs> uh, I yelled that out to you at uh, WTC last year. I was Abramatids, and I ran up. We gave each other a big hug because that was the first time we'd ever met, mate. But we've been talking quite quite often for a couple of years now. For a long time. I mean, since gosh, 2017, 2018. It's it's been a yeah. while. So, um, for those of you who don't know Adam, he um, is a perennial uh, down south, living in the New Orleans area or the, yeah. the greater Louisiana area. Um, is a gentleman of, of great great renown and respect who created a podcast that inspired a lot. It was called The Best General, um, and Adam's gone on to uh, bigger and better things from there. Coached the 2019 American WCT WTC team, so the, the international team. On top of that, uh, the reason I've I find it very special and close to home to have Adam on here is because he was the gentleman who inspired me to get into content creation. It was after listening to the first couple of episodes where he just had this ins- inspirational story of just really having the courage to put himself out there and, and step out on his own and. Uh, open himself up to scrutiny and to ridicule and all these things in the pursuit of making himself better and improving himself. And I, I wanted to do the same thing. And I remember I, I sent you a, a message on Facebook to asking you some, you know, some, just some simple questions about podcasting and content creation. And you gave me nothing but support, mate. So I just wanted to say thank you so much um, for everything you've done for me and have done for so many others in the community. But tell us a little bit about what you, about the best general and um, that journey for yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, First of all, uh, thank you for, I mean, that's really kind words. Usually you and I, we banter a lot. We joke a lot. It's, it's in our nature. We like to, to rub <laughs> a little bit. Um, but that's, that was really sweet, Adam. Um, you know, the best generals uh, was an amazing experience for me for many reasons. Um, and, and one of the biggest is because it brought me to this position to where I know you and, uh, it really opened me up to a lot of people in the community from all different aspects, from the hobby and painting aspect to the competitive aspect to the people that are actually running the events and um, it opened up a lot of doors for me. And I didn't didn't quite expect it to. Um, I really started mm. the podcast because I wanted to challenge myself to become a better 40K player. Adam, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you yeah. to hold on for a second because my daughter's in the background asking for some water. I asked her very politely <laughs> if she could be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> no so stress you, you can get your water, but daddy's doing his interview with the most handsome man in Australia. 
<laughs> so I need you to be quiet. Uh, now I have to leave it in. Yeah, now you have I to. I can't edit that out now. You have to just <laughs> have to, have have to leave it in. <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to cut that. I want you to set it as your ringtone and then like just tell me to call you the next time you're hanging out with Diff. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, anyway, so this this is a little bit different, guys. This is like a I'm going to be going. We're going to be going on a little bit of a journey through Mr. Abramowitz's journey, I guess, through the community and through the hobby where he started. His ups, his downs, his triumphs, um, low points, achievements, and uh, what the future holds. This is this will be the natural two part out of war down under and we're going to be just cutting this in half so it's going to be just two hours two and two and a half ish hours of recording first half just going to be the early years we're going to get we're going to go for about an hour i will be trying to be pretty strict on myself i said this all the freaking time and like we're going to try and stick around an hour or try and stick around two hours i am going to stick around and we're going to record this uh, about an hour hour and a half part one and then part two over um for the patrons so the part two will cover a lot more of the recent stuff um the best general w coaching for wt see um ups and downs joining the army pain and all the incredible initiatives uh mr abamowitz has been able to be part of but kicking this off um where did it all begin for you so uh, how old were you when you first you know stepped foot in a, i would assume as a g-dub or a flgs and got started i mean it, listeners that have actually listened to the show will hear me kind of cover this in episode one uh but it, it all started for me i was visiting some cousins uh in upstate new york and we were there. I think I stayed for two weeks, and we were reading uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It was our goal to read the the entire trilogy in in fourteen days or whatever it was. And when we weren't reading wow. and we weren't, you know, like rummaging around in the woods outside of this beautiful area of of upstate New York, we were in the basement of their house building Middle Earth out of Legos. And we didn't play war games at the time. You know, we didn't understand war games. We didn't know that war games were a thing. But we kind of made our own mm. war game where, you know, Jason was the orcs, of course, because he was the youngest brother and I was the elves. And we made the models and we did things with it and just just tried to make our own game. And somewhere in that two week period, we went to the mall with my uncle and we saw a games workshop store. And that was it. Like we were just like, this is this is what we were trying to do. This is what we were trying to do. And yeah. uh, you know, I never played a game, Adam. That's the, the funniest part about it is that I had never played a game of 40K or or anything like that. I'm sorry about that. The, the kid is just like, she can't open her own bottle of water. She's supposed to be in bed 44 That's minutes fine. ago, Zoe. Um, <laughs> so I, I never, we had never played a game. We just collected miniatures. We'd paint them. And, you know, I'd go back to Philadelphia and I'd, you know, get a new model, I'd get a Treeman Ancient, or I'd get a, you know, a, a unit of Wild mm -hmm. Riders or something like that. And then the next time we got together at Christmas or Easter or whatever it was, we'd show off what we did. And that went on up until I got to high school and I collected a little bit then. And then it went kaput because, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, how, how old are you when you first got your start, when you first walked into that G-Dub? Uh, did, you, did you say how old you were or did I miss I think it? I, was, I think I was like 11 or 12. Mm. It's it's it was really. Uh, I wish I could capture that in a bottle when I was a kid. Um, I, I suppose it must have been the same for you. We're already projecting what you wanted, and this is this in this game or this experience you were desiring. And then here it was is this store that just kind of did it. But you, you said you you mentioned Treeman. Did you get started in fantasy? Were those your, was that your first army? Oh yeah, Treeman. Uh, what else were my first army? Um, it's something I think that mm. there's something deep down. I'm I'm a little bit of a hippie. And I've always liked the, the nature aspect of it. And, you know, I wish 
I had gotten into, you know, fantasy in Age of Sigmar, because now the Sylvaneth, you've got these really amazing sculpts for the dryads and and the ancients and the treemen, and then you've got the the Kerneth hunters and everything like that. Like mm. out of this world sculpt. Yeah, exactly right, man. But uh what was the very first model you ever purchased? I actually think that the first model I ever purchased was a treeman because it was one model. It was big. It came in a, a single blister pack. The treeman, just a straight, just yeah. a straight treeman. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Would have been pewter, was, wouldn't it? Oh, it was definitely white metal. Yeah, it was pewter. The first model I ever painted though was mm. the original Ariel model. Uh, Ariel or Alarial? Is it? Wait, was she she was called Ariel back in fantasy, wasn't it? They changed it to Alarial for for Age of Sigma. They did. They did. Yeah. When when they blew up all of yeah. the, whatever mm. the, the the nine realms or whatever they call it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, still, every time I think about that moment, I think about um, what's the guy from Planet of the Apes falling to the ground? You maniacs! Oh my God. <laughs> you blew it up! <laughs> Damn you! No, uh, I'm still uh, still a fantasy diehard myself. Wait, and we'll see what happens when the old world comes back. But uh, when you when you cracked into this, I mean, I suppose you had a bit of a family connection between the hobby as well, so you had a bit of your foot into the the nerd kind of realms but uh how did your how did your family parents or friends or social social groups feel about you <laughs> cracking on into into 40k and painting these things especially as you go into high school which is i'm assuming is where things went pear-shaped so and it went pear-shaped anyways why do you have to say pear-shaped that brings back old memories my friends used to make fun of me and they used to call <laughs> me pear-shaped i've had like oh, i'm sorry no it's okay the it, the thing is like i i never because i never played a game i was just kind of collecting not a lot of people yep. knew about it. There were a couple kids in high school. You know, my best friend to this day, Dave, still know, he, you know, he knew about it, but he was more into comic books. And, you know, I come from, you know, a pretty normal blue collar, you know, varsity sports, you know, a very typical Americana family. You know, my dad was a basketball mm. player and I did too. Um, so my dad, there was a precedent already very early on that like I wasn't, a typical jock like i'm a little bit of a jock but i also wanted to take art classes outside of school instead of playing t-ball you know what i mean yeah so yeah i think that they always knew that there was this creative side to me that uh you know that i they needed to embrace or else it was going to be a struggle and and you know they did embrace it and they always have mm. um so while my dad doesn't get it and never has really understood it um, he's been very supportive. You know, when I was at Warzone yeah. last year, apparently he was in the chat. Like, I don't know what's going on. How's how's Adam doing? You know, and trying <laughs> to get a grip on it. But I love that stuff. Um, how, how if if you're willing to tell him to speak to it, but how how old are you at the moment? I am 36 years old. Sorry, I am 36 years old. 36. So, what edition was it? Of the what edition was uh, 40k and fantasy in when you first started? If you can remember, I don't know. So, I, I I still haven't yet to play a game of fantasy. I've never played a game. I still collect the model. Wow. I started playing yep. 40k in sixth edition. Um, Beautiful. So that's a that's a bit of a gap if, as of well, so. You, when you're pre-high school, you were dabbling into the miniature painting and things like that. And I'm assuming, did you drop it off in what? Uh, it goes to, it goes year seven, year eight, year nine, ten, eleven, twelve over here. But you guys have like freshmen and yeah, whatever yeah. the middle so one is, it, and then the last was, one. <laughs> it was around year ten, my sophomore year, that I I, I kind of stopped, and then it would be another four years, yep. and it was like my sophomore junior year of college, university, that. I, I discovered, wow, these 40K models are actually cool because Tau were released. And I bought a couple models. So tell like, us, 
Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What's what stopped you? I, sports and and a job and girls and um, I was mm. you know I, I extracurricularly I worked in the TV station and radio station at my high school. I had a job um, and you know I, I I was a three sport letterman. I played golf, basketball, and track in high school. So like I was always occupied. I always had something to do mm-hmm. and you know, it, it just kind of got to the point that I didn't have time and I didn't have anybody else near me that was into the hobby at that point in time. Yeah. So it was just easy to get away from. That's that's certainly something I find true in a lot of senses. Like this, this is a hobby that's hard to self-propagate. It's hard to continue or maintain enthusiasm for when you're in isolation. I'm not sure if, if that would be in keeping with what, kind of what you, you were saying, but it sounds like you were isolated from influences that would have kept you enthusiastic or you know, yeah. not a, not account, not so much accountability buddies, but mutual uh, mutual passion. That it, definitely a mutual passion. You also have to think back. Like I, I had just discovered this when I was in the you know grade seven or eight, and then I moved to a different state, and I started high school, which is a big mm. change in, in and of itself. So like you're not ready when you start at a new high school, let alone any high school, when you're 14 years old or 13 years old to kind of like let your nerd freak <laughs> flag fly. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so to like yeah. come out loud and proud, I like to paint tiny toys isn't super cool in mid, you know, mid central Ohio as a freshman in high school uh, and you don't know anybody. Uh, but I, I also can like, 100% relate to that. Can you? Yeah, I can relate to that so much. But sorry, yeah. continue. Well, no, it's and it's it's I, I, I again, like I'll re- reinforce I never played a game. So I was still even though I collected models and painted them, we didn't have YouTube you know, to go watch a tutorial mm. on how to paint something. So I was using like Apple barrel paints from Walmart and just messing around in my basement. There were no influencers that, you know, GW wasn't producing, you know, tutorials or how to guides. And I didn't have anybody to play. So my only motivation was that's a cool model. If I can find one. And back then, like if I was lucky enough to find a comic book store that sold games, workshop models, you had no clue like you'd be picking through blisters off of like hanging racks and you never knew what was behind yeah. it you could go you know so it was it was always a shot in the dark it's not like it is today it's so much more accessible mm. now you're you're quite a, a passionate painter and it sounds like that's how you got well you, your first point of call for getting enthusiastic about the game because it certainly wasn't playing like you said um but what drew you to painting what was it that the artistic expression is was it was it the the finished effect was it just the, the pleasure of having a paint on the paintbrush and seeing it flow what, what really spoke to you about that i've always been drawn to making things and uh building things with legos or linking logs or uh connects and you know, I was the kid that would stay up way past my bedtime with like Nick at night or ESPN on, and I would draw things and I would make, you know, essentially my own armies, these comic book characters. Cause I thought maybe I wanted to be a comic book artist or I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. I wanted to design products. And, you know, to some degree I do those things today. Um, so the idea of taking an army you know, that is your own and then really making it your own. You get to pick the models. You get to say how many tanks are in it. Uh, you know, you get to mm. build your troops out and give them all names and uh, convert them. That that was cool to me. You're crafting your own narrative. And you know what? Like, I went to school for video production and narrative storytelling. I wanted to be a filmmaker or a commercial director. And the the huge, you know, motivation for that was I wanted to make a Warhammer movie. 
you know, because you had this amazing lore. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why I ended up going to college for what I did. That's a big part of it that, you know, also having a radio station and a TV station at my high school played a huge role, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's just something about creating and manifesting your own reality out of toys is cool to me. Mm -hmm. Man, I love that. I love hearing that you you always wanted to make a movie or make a film or create products. And you know, in a roundabout way, you've you've come about to you've created content based in this universe or based on your experiences. And now you you paint and create, and you're part of a a, a creative process yourself that uh, offers products um, in this realm to others. Man, I feel like incredible achievement but uh let's jump over a little bit so your first games were in sixth edition and there were there were 40k what was your first 40k army uh tau it was tau and i got oh, hated tau. on nice. and it was right it was what? right when everybody <laughs> hated tau because they were really good but i had no yeah. prior knowledge like i had literally purchased mm. models half the models that i had 10 years prior and never played a game with them I also relate to that a lot because I my first the first army I ever did for fantasy was demons and that was when demons were broke as a joke and I had no knowledge of that I just like oh cool I'm gonna I want to buy the red ones because they're red and I'll paint some of the green ones because they're green and the blue ones because they're blue and then I rocked up and my army was uh, off its guts it was really strong <laughs> so I certainly relate to that but where so what was the store where, where where was where was the store what was the group did you walk up and just get a pickup game with just some mook at the local FLGS or did you have a were you in a hobby group already that people who were training no. through games and progressing through the story i i you know it's it's a random way that i got back into it i you know again i covered this in episode one but i went for a long bike ride with some friends and we were drinking beers swimming in a pool and somebody made like a bretonian night reference and i was like hold on a sec <laughs> like did you just say what i think you said and the next day we went to a gw store and we like we made this pack that we were gonna we're gonna start playing 40k too that never happened i was the only one that stuck mm. with it and I ended up finding, and I think it was called Firefly Games, Firefly Toys and Games in Columbia, South Carolina. And I just went up one day and uh, I met this guy, Daryl Bobajelic. And he basically said, yeah, we run tournaments back in the cellar of the, the liquor store next door. Uh, you should come. And I went and they were having like Saturday gaming out there. And I had my very first game with a guy named Steve Buley, who is still to this day probably one of my favorite people to ever play 40k against and he beat me to a pole wow. with his demons uh even though everybody's <laughs> like you know i'm the new guy showing up with my tau army that actually has paint on it and they're like oh look at this you know bluff, whack player you know cheese tau cheese and i'm like i don't know what that means guys i have no idea what whack or cheese means. i don't know how this game works and i didn't know how this game worked for a very long time it, it, it took a long time to really grasp mm. the mechanics because i wasn't a gamer and like not even a video gamer um so it took me a long time to really capture the mechanics of playing a tabletop war game so in, in saying that you said a, a couple of interesting things there you said that like you know people treated you like a, a whack gamer was that your first impressions of the community or was it a more positive experience so it, it was a positive experience as the game progressed like i think that the people that saw me walk in with tau at that time just assumed because I was this new guy playing Tau and kind of like giving you that shifty eye kind of thing. I ended up becoming mm. great friends. His name is, it's another Adam, another Adam Newton um, and his wife, nice. Mary Newton. So many good yeah. Adams around. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, ended up playing very well with these people. And these are the people that taught me how to play 40 K early on, um, you know, and, and 
uh, yeah, I'll never forget those days. I, I almost wish I could go back to those days because I actually had regular gaming, a regular gaming group to play with. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny that like uh, I, I don't know if, if you would relate to this, but my I guess my um, connections to this community and this hobby have grown so large that I I really do miss the simple days when you would just rock up to a like a community game a, like painting table, sit down and just talk crap with possibly yeah. absolute strangers for like six hours at a time. And you would just leave friends that day. Um, there used to I really a, miss that kind of stuff. There was a computer store, and it was like basically like a like an internet cafe to play games. And then they they also sold a little bit of models. But after hours, they would shut down the store, and people would just set up and paint all night. And I did that mm. a couple times. And like somebody would get a case of Dr Pepper, another person would get a case of of beer, and you just sat there and and made fun of each other. And somebody had a movie going way too loud in like one of the rooms. And it was just so much fun. But then again, I'm 36 now. I was 26 then. Yeah. You know, <laughs> something like that. So, like, you just can't do those things nowadays. It's that uh, you've got family and responsibilities. Mm, life's, life's changed. Things change. But yeah, I, I remember, like, not knowing anything about the game and just being like, I like that model. Going to take that model. I like this model. Going to buy that model. And just being uh, governed by so many other, by, by governed by my passion and my impulse rather than the, the army that I think I wanted to play next or the list I wanted to, to go take to this XYZ event. I really miss those humble beginnings. And I think there's a, it's like, that's another thing I'd like to capture in a bottle. Well, I mean, I, I don't think that's something that has to be, you know, I, I say this all the time, like I, I, I struggle playing armies that don't have a tank or multiple tanks. Like I, I feel comfortable playing lists that have like an elevation of scale in the models because that feels more like an army to me, mm. right? So sometimes I will make concessions because of that in my list design, which has given, you know, our good friend Nick Nanavati and Brad Chester just fucking, excuse me. Just, <laughs> just absolute like, like they have strokes when I tell them like I need to put a dreadnought in this army, and you know because they, they just they don't understand it's not efficient it doesn't work but there is a part of me that still has mm. like I, I'm always going to be a hobbyist and like a lore you know narrative guy at my heart. Mm, I respect that a lot. And I love that, and I think maybe it's something I need to set some time. Uh, a part to do. I'm I'm building a, a 30k army, which I suppose tickles that itch. Um, but it is that do have a lot of 40, competitive 40k elements to it. Surprising, surprise. Uh, invades every gonna, every facet. I, I feel like 30k players are are people that are ready to step into like Napoleonic tabletop games, but just oh, ten more years. Lose. Yeah, you've got your, yeah. your 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 pinky toe is dabbling in the water. <laughs> You're almost on your way. Uh, as soon as like you're half gray, as soon as you're half salt and pepper, you're like, well, <laughs> time has come. Full historics, here we go. Uh, <laughs> but um, what was the first um, piece of content you consumed? Like the first uh, podcast or blog? Where did you get your start into like the wider community, the internet community, the world community? At the, the, the first one, that would have to be hard. I mean, there was a Tau Tactica forum. You know, I remember yep. forums were a thing. I, like, are they still a thing anymore? Because now we just have Facebook and Discord. I assume Bolter and Chainsword and like, they, I, assume, I assume that stuff still, like Daka Daka still exists. Daka. I wouldn't know what's on it. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I assume it's still there. I'm, I'm actually kind of, ha- and I was having this conversation literally yesterday. And back in the day when we, I, like, I feel like people knew to the hobby today. And now I really feel like an old man. But mm. Like not even 10 years ago, when you wanted to learn how to paint army green towel, 
like you did multiple Google searches. And when you found a picture, like one of those small rasterized thumbnails, it would take you to a forum that had 1,803 threads that you had to, (laughs) you know, and you would spend an hour and a half trying to find it. When you got to it, the actual image was just as crappy as a thumbnail from the Google search engine. You know, that, that was how you, that was how we used to do things. That's how we used mm. to find cool conversions and, and lists and uh, battle reports. It was all in, in forums. I'm so happy that we don't have to do that anymore because we have people like you and you know the rest of the Art of War team producing actual good content and people like Duncan Rhodes at the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy making great tutorials. Um, you know, it wasn't that way. And it wasn't yeah. not even 10 years ago. Um, but my, I, I guess... My first podcast would probably be the Forge Narrative podcast, which I eventually ended up being on. How funny. How funny you used to be on that. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a staple on that now. It's yeah. just the you circle is complete. <laughs> Paul, Paul needs another Adam. That's just how it works. He can't have a show without there must always be. There must always be an Adam on Forge Narrative. It's, it's just right. it's the rules. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, but... um. I I relate to that a lot when you're saying like it was really hard to learn how to execute and paint and present models. Uh, and it's something that you were obviously you've stated you were very passionate about. So how did you how hard did you find it to to learn how to paint miniatures? Or to did you ever get frustrated thinking like I want this miniature to look like this, but I just don't have the technique or the knowledge to execute? Yeah, there was a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, you know, credit to Kenny Boucher, and a lot of people have opinions on him and and. He is quite the character. I think that's why he is who he is. But, you know, he is, he taught me an awful lot about painting um, because he was really one of the first to the party to do it. And then there was like Dr. So-and-so, I can't think of his name off the top of my head now, and Orc Painter Nerd. There were a few people on YouTube back then. And now there's, God, there's there's more people that, than you can count. And you I do it every day. And it's great. Um, but a lot of it was trial and error, Adam. I mean, Mm. No, it yeah. was well, I remember, I remember being uh, probably not even thirteen years old, walking into a G Dub and seeing like the 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 you know the twenty thirty year old guy sitting around the painting table and walking sheepishly up to one of them and asking them to teach me how to dry brush because I'd I'd, I'd heard the term I'd never see someone actually do it and I had no idea no idea what it was because there was no there was no frame of reference and of course I was a poor twelve year old kid I wasn't gonna spend my like. $21 of disposable income I had from doing my chores that week on a white dwarf to see what dry brushing was. I was going to buy my space marine <laughs> sergeant and glue exactly. it together with PVA and ruin it or something. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I know, so yeah, yeah. I, and, I remember, and I remember being dismissed. I remember being dismissed by that guy being like, oh, um, come back after lunch. And then he proceeded to sit there and just talk with his mates for another hour. Um, Dude, and he did end up showing me though. And that, was, that was pretty good. It, it, that's the thing that's, uh, I, I think like, our generations take credit for, you know, because we were, we're we're now kind of beginning to be the old guard of war gamers as you and I creep up to an age, which is really kind <laughs> of sad. But there is this new wave of players, and it's, it has nothing to do with age, but that, that have come to this game at a certain period of time. And they are coming to it in a very inclusive way where people are reaching out and and with with open arms and grabbing them and pulling them in and saying, this is how you play 40k. This is how you play 40k well. This is how you play it narratively, or whatever game it is. This is how you paint whatever game you're playing. And we had to go outward to try and grab that. And we were we were grasping and missing. And there were a lot of people that used to hold 
their trade secrets, you know, whether they were playing or painting or assembling, they kept yep. those cards real close to their chest. And it's not like that anymore. And I'm so happy that it's not. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. I, th- I remember um, I was a, a bricklayer for a time. I was an apprentice bricklayer. And uh, there was always the things in trades where uh, your your boss got treated like absolute garbage by his boss when he was an apprentice. And he's going to, you know, that's because of that, he's, he's going to treat you like garbage. And that, that was the story for me when I was an apprentice bricklayer. I got tra- treated like absolute tr- absolute trash. Um, and I'm happy to say that's not, u- that's not the usual case uh, in the community at the moment. I-, I will freely give any and all information that I've ever been given or ever, ever been disseminated. And that's that's the that's the norm, which I think is something we can be proud of. And as for the old guard stuff, man, as long as Chester's still around, we're fine, mate. Dude, that's so true. Chester's still got twenty years left in him. We're young still. Here's the thing: <laughs> Chester is always um, like he's always like one minute away from from midnight on the death clock, but he will always be at one minute <laughs> away from midnight on the death clock, and he will long. <laughs> He will. He'll, he'll outlive us all. The dude's a model. But um, we have come to the halfway point of this episode. We're going to take a quick ad break um, and we'll hit you on the other side. But yeah, when we come back, we'll be talking a loving, lovely things like Adam attending his first event. How did he go? How did it feel? Coming to terms with competitive gaming, all those good, lovely and juicy topics. Um, so stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. And we are back. Adam, still here, man? Still holding true? I'm doing the best I can, man. It's getting late. I mean, it's, it's an old man. It's uh, 11 past 8 here <laughs> on Friday night. And I know it's got to be, what, like like 9 a.m. your time on Saturday? But No, well, it's, it's actually quarter past 1 in, in the afternoon. So it's not too bad. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Oh, that's not bad at all. Oh, that's not bad at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you all day thing. Like, that's... Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But how comfortable are you talking about you for that entire time? Ah. I'm a total narcissist. I love talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect because I got a question for you. What was the first tournament you ever attended? RTT or GT? Anything. Any tournament, any event, any any stripe, any name, any any freaking genre. Okay. I mean, Doesn't the, have first, to be 40K. the first tournament that I went to was an RTT in that, that wine cellar warehouse. Yeah. Um, now, I'll never forget because I played Daryl Bobagelic. And I was beating the pants yeah. off of him. And it it came down to like, I was going to table him and I hadn't tabled somebody before. And he was ready to give up and just like concede the match, which I had never, that, that conceding a match never occurred to me that you, you could do that, right? Mm. And uh, I said, oh, I've never tabled somebody. Like, like I, I'm close to doing that. Like he had Bellicor and, and uh, all this blah, 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 and a bunch of cultists, like 150 cultists. And... I was getting close to tabling him and I was, and he's like, Oh no, I'm going to make you kill every last man now. And it was, it was a great time. <laughs> but my first <laughs> brilliant GT was probably nine months after that. And it was the shoot, the scarab scarab GT Neil, uh, who used to run, uh, what a, now? I mean, Neil used to be big time. He had a podcast, the 11th company podcast back in the day. He's out of 40K completely now. 
but he came to run this GT, which was cool. And we played a warm up match and I was playing Tao and he had just like helped create the Oasis star. Do you remember that? Like when it first came out? Yes. And I Oof. played him round yep. one and he was, he was playing ringer and he beat me in 15 minutes. And he's like, you should be playing <laughs> at the GT in two weeks. And, uh, uh, I did. And I did. I think I went two and three, but I still didn't know at that GT. I didn't know how to play 40 K period. Um, mm. But at that GT, I met Evan Schlegel from Facing the Grey Tide, and I played him and had a great game. And I also met Kelly Wallace and Stephen Cosgrove and Thomas Bird and Andrew Whitaker, who ended up becoming lifelong friends and teammates of mine mm. at you know at the American Team Championships and the General Staff. So it's funny how life works out like so, that. So that became your hobby group. Is that, that that became your gaming group? Yeah. Yeah. I, like I was one of the only ones not in Atlanta, um, but they. Yep. I, I always wanted to play on ATC. Um, the, the the concept of Team 40K was something that I always wanted to be a part of. And mm. I I kind of put it out there that I wanted to be on a certain ATC team. And I was it was pretty publicly like, you're not good enough to be on our ATC team, let alone any ATC team. And I got Jeez. a call from Kelly. And, and he's like, do you want to play at ATC? Like, we'd love to have you. Like, I think it'd be a fun time. And uh yeah i've been on their atc team every year except for this year and i wasn't going to be able to play this year because i had a wedding to go to but you know covid so great when atc happens again uh, i would like to play my team again and it's a great yeah team. you didn't have yeah you didn't have to break your streak but oh exactly. uh, yeah poor state of affairs unfortunately for the the tournament goers out there but uh talking about like getting into competitive gaming um how old are you when you when you decided you wanted to to try and be a competitive gamer or you decided the tournaments was, was where you belonged. I don't know that there were, it, to be honest, Adam, I don't know that there was like an actual decision. I, like I, I great never, answer. yeah. Is it a great answer? Uh, it's, yeah, I think it, it is. Just, I think it is. I, mean, it, I know for me, it was a progression. It was a very slow progression over time. Um, I, and just to, I don't know if this will prompt you in any way, but I'd been playing at my local FLGS and I hadn't become so much of a, a bully, but I'd, I hadn't lost a game in like 20 games, in 20 pickup games. And the the guy just turned to me and said, I think you've you've uh, you've turned into a little bit of a, a big fish in a small pond here. It's time for you to, to go swim with the big fish in the big pond. Uh, and he's, he just said, here's an event that's coming up and told me to sign up. I didn't even know tournaments existed up until that point. I was like, oh yeah, this is just kind of what the, the only tournaments that existed is like the once or once a quarter, once a month, we'll have a bunch of like, we'll have 10 guys in here and five tables going and we'll just play games, pick up games the rest of the day. Um, I had no, no concept of tournaments until I was told to like go and attend one. So what was it like for you? How did you get into them? I, so I think your story is much cooler. I mean, for me, you know, when I found out that there was such a thing as as these larger tournaments that weren't just like weekend things, I, I was always drawn to that because I've always been a competitor, you know, whether it was golf, which is mm. kind of an individual sport, um, or cycling, which can be a team sport or an individual sport, or uh, basketball teams, you know, yada, yada, yada. I, I did a lot of sports that were kind of the, in the interim, like, I played golf, but that's that's you versus the golf course, but also you versus opponent. But you're yeah. also playing with a team. When you're running track, um, you can do the four by four relay. You could do the four, you know, the, the open four hundred solo. But you're still playing for a team, and you're also you're not really racing against the other seven people on the track. You're racing against the clock. And to me, the yeah. idea of of playing in forty k was kind of like that. 
And what I really enjoyed about it, because at the time that I found competitive 40K, I was training heavily as a cyclist. So I was this like lean, mean, 159 pound, you know, six foot two athlete. Um, and then I got to go do this thing mm -hmm. where instead of riding my bike for 170 miles on a weekend and just being in pain for several hours, I was sitting back, <laughs> relaxing and thinking with my brain and also just kind of enjoying myself. I'm a social butterfly, much like you are. And just being able to get out and talk to new people, that aspect I really liked. And I liked the idea that I could say, I'm going to go and try and compete and do my best at something and then go home and not give a crap about where I finished in the pack. Because yeah. I gotten to this point where like, if I didn't make a top 10 in a bike race, that was a bad weekend because I had trained for a month for that or whatever, you know, where this, I just didn't care. I'd go to compete and I'd have fun. I'd do my best. And I'd pat myself on the back because I had a good time. Amazing perspective. I, I think that's invaluable coming into this with, with that kind of thing. But it sounds like you had a lot of experience with uh, the P, what I call the PB format, um, being a, a, a personal best player. Um, yeah. Personal best, as in you're always, always just striving to beat your, 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 last, your last score. You don't need to beat everybody else. You don't need to be the fastest or the best out of 50 people. But as long as you're doing better or as well as you, you've done previously. And I find that's a really damn rewarding way, a damn rewarding perspective to work to. But it actually, so it happened kind of fast, Adam. So like I went to that GT and then a year later I went to, I think my next GT that I, that was my first mm -hmm. one. And then I went to, um, it was called the Forged Narrative Seasonal. It was like the final, the last Forged Narrative Seasonal that Paul Murphy and when he was still with Rob and, and Kenny ran. And yep. this was actually like the beginning of, of my, my upswing and also the beginning of my downfall playing competitive 40 K because it was the first wow, time. Okay. It, it was the first time I realized like, Oh, I'm a good painter. Cause I won best painted there. Like I wanted an RTT with the same army, like a couple months before, but this was like a GT and I won best painted there. And then mm -hmm. I went on the street where I won best painted at a lot of events but at the same time, that was the first tournament I went to where alcohol was available for sale. And I just got smashed. Oh, okay. and made, made a dick out of myself, you know. Um, you know, and that became what competitive 40k it was like a party, you know. It was also like this is my time to cut loose hmm. for like for two days. Um so it was kind of like the beginning of the end. <laughs> I got I, I won best painted and then I joined the party. <laughs> And it was, uh, that, that's kind of where I was with competitive 40K for like two years. So tell me about this army you won best painted for. This first, this first kind of achievement army you kind of, you kind of unlocked or the first time you reached the first big brass ring of uh, painting in 40K. I love this story. So it was a Tau. It was Tau. Um, that was my first army. Um, I was repainting them. And again, I was painting them in like a different, different like it wasn't the normal towel bright colors it was like a desert sand towel not the towel okra color and yep. i was learning how to airbrush for the first time thanks kenny boucher and i tried to apply a wash through the airbrush and it messed up and it spattered everywhere and i panicked and then i it actually ended up creating this really cool effect that i could replicate and it made this really weathered looking towel army 
And I just, I had 4,000 points of towel. I painted them all that way. It looked amazing together. And that won like three or four best painted in a row. I ended up selling that, like that own, army is now owned by Frankie at Frontline Gaming. Um, wow, there you go. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, I know where that one's at. So um, that's kind of cool. So yeah, it was. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it was. It and I loved that army because people always said, "Oh, you played Tau in sixth and seventh edition." It's like, yeah, I played Razor Razorwing Jet Fighters or whatever they were called. Like, mm. no, no Tau players other than Devin up in Canada has ever played them. Or Razorbacks, I think they were called. Uh, yeah, the, the Flyers. Yeah, Flyers. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, they Dev. They've amazing models. They've never been good. <laughs> the, the Tiger Shark is the only flyer that's ever been good for Tau. Apart from that, they have been a perpetual joke ever since they were they were announced and they, they came out. But uh, dude, yeah, what an awesome story. But as for the um the kind of the downsides and the 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 first was that your what you think was your first negative experience gaming or in the hobby the community? Yeah, was it, yeah. Did you I, do you do you? How do you, and this, this might be very, we're going to get in very personal and, and kind, kind of deep, which is something I want to do on this show. How do you deal with the negative emotions? How do you deal with shame and guilt? Oh, I mean, I was raised Roman Catholic, so all different kinds of ways. <laughs> so, I mean, shame and guilt are, are part of your upbringing. But, um, you know, I, I'm somebody that, that um, I want to make friends. That's, that's I, I want to meet people and make friends. And I want people to like me, but I don't, you know, if you don't like me, that's fine. I understand that not everybody in the world is going to like, I'm going to be their cup of tea. Um, but at that particular event, and I, I think I could speak openly about this and Steven would agree, you know, it was right when juice, Steven juice four was like getting involved with Kenny and Rob and doing their thing. And they were recording something. And I, you know, being somebody who had been on TV before, like I wanted to go up and tell him, like, dude, just relax. Like, you're really like when you speak naturally, you're really cool. You know, you're you're tightening up on camera. And I I was, you know, I had been drinking. Kenny and I played round one, and we were going beer for beer at that game. And you know, I probably didn't say it as eloquently as I just said it to you. And that was his first interaction with me. And yeah. he and I didn't speak to each other for years. Like, I I think I really upset him, or you know, I just he just automatically didn't want to associate with me until you know we were able to make amends and i was able to talk man to man with him and and i think he realized that that was just a one-off instance and i was being a dummy um but that's something i struggle with is is and i've had moments like that come up in events where i'm partaking in the party more than i am partaking in the community and it's gotten in the mm. way and i've tried to to wrangle that in a bit and you know it also has been, a, I think, a good thing in my personal life being able to do that because, you know, you can, it's, you know, when you're 36 years old, you're not a 21 year old at, you know, at a college party anymore. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right, Matt. So, and this, uh, this but, is something you so, and I have talked about for a long time. You know, you yeah. actually a huge influence on me cleaning up my act in that regard for a, a long, long time. Oh, thank you, man. I'm happy I've been able to be a, a positive in some way, shape, or form. Because Lord knows you've done all done the same for me. But as for the um, the you said the kind of party nature you associated with the community, how long did that persist? And did you find any any so the term called codependence? Did you find any coes to? Did you find did you find a hobby group of people who had a similar mode of interacting with the community and with events, or did you kind of always a bit of a lone star? 
No, I mean, it's, you know, when you look at, uh, you look at some of the people that I like to play 40K with, you know, Andrew Whitaker and Thomas Bird, those guys are world-class players, but they are also world-class players that can hold mm-hmm. a conversation when they're, they're enjoying themselves, when they're partaking in the libations available. I am not, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, I, I come to the realization <laughs> that, you know, that there is a certain point when you grow up where you just, you just don't handle partying the same way that you used to. I used to be very even keel, mm. um, but you know, I'm not that person. And that was a, a, a thing that I needed to realize. And if I, you know, I like to have an, a beer at an event and enjoy myself, that's fine, but I don't need to have four beers in a game anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, save it yeah. to one or two between rounds or something like that. Mm. I, I find it, a- it's just whatever feels natural, whatever feels normal for the individual. If it's not costing you any any enjoyment of the game, I suppose there's a bit of self-awareness that comes with that, with the realization that maybe it is. But I, it's certainly not rare in our community. It's certainly not no. an isolated incident. Um, and that's the and thing. That, is, why do you think that? I, that's the thing is, like, I, 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 I know that I, like, when I'm enjoying the party and my, the person, my opponent is not enjoying the fact that I'm enjoying the party, that's when the shame and guilt comes in because all I want to do is give somebody yeah. a good game. And also when mm. you are enjoying the party to a certain extent, um, if you are trying to also win, there becomes a, a it's a double-edged sword there because when you're partaking too much with the expectation that you're going to, or you're going to try and play your best, you're not going to try and play your best. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to be sloppy. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's if you want to compete and when I've done my best at events is when I'm not drinking and I'm, I'm, I'm approaching it like an athlete, but if I just want to go and have fun and that's all I'm going to do, then, you know, by all means let loose. And that's fine. I think that's the beauty of 40 K just like golf or, or any kind of, you know, pursuit, hobby pursuit mm-hmm. is that you can do it whatever way you want, as long as you play within the realms that you are, you're entering into that that you know that contract with if you're going to drink and play nine holes go ahead um, but if you're going to go mm. and try and complete for the club championships you might want to scale it back a little bit yeah so uh, just to we're trying to get some of your i guess your outlook or perspective on the community a lot of people use this or sorry don't use this community are part of this community for different reasons some people it's the be the be all and end all of their social connections and it's very important and integral to who they are as a person some people like yourself use it as a as a mode to party and hang out with their friends and just spend time with people enjoy doing something that they they find pleasurable some people don't care for playing the game at all and just want to hang out with their mates some people the opposite they just care about the game couldn't care about their friends what does the community mean to you um a lot i mean it, it, i think it means a lot. There's, there's a lot of different things that this community brings to me. It gives me the creative outlet that I need, right? Um, it also gives me the competitive outlet that I need. It gives me the social connections that I need. And it's also provided me, you know, lifelong friendships with certain people and acquaintanceships that are mm. great to have too. You know, I, I, I have a buddy everywhere. My employers love to joke about that, that I, that I have buddies everywhere and that's because of competitive play. Um, but it's, for me, it's, it's a little bit of everything. You know, I love to, when I go to ATC in Chattanooga, seeing Eric swing, you know, and I only see him there and at Warzone maybe. And he always has a yingling mm. waiting for me. Like, and I know that that's going to be a thing. 
And then I know that there's going to be, when I see Mark Perry, no matter where I'm at, I'm going to get a big bear hug from him. He's going to crack my back and I'm going to try and pick mm. him up and I'm going to hurt <laughs> him. You know, I love that about this community. Um, I love going and being able to show off my army when it's, you know, when it's fully painted and knowing that I have mm. a really well, like, I, I really like the position that I'm in today with, with competitive play. I'm not the best painter in the world, but I think I paint to a, a pretty high standard for somebody playing at the caliber that I'm playing at. And I'm not ever going to pretend that I'm a high caliber player. But when I make the right decisions and I get a little bit of luck, I know that it's, you know, that old saying on any given Sunday, I could be right there. And that's a good mm. place for me to be and exist in competitive 40K. Absolutely. We'll, we'll speak to a little bit more about that journey in part two, like your, your competitive triumphs and ups and downs, wins and losses. But uh, as for the, the place in the community, like I was saying, when you're in the, you're kind of in the middle of the community at the moment, but you're not an active, you're not a super active player anymore, are you? No, I, I never have been. Like I'm, I've never been somebody that goes to every big tournament. Um, mm. You know, I, I yes, I go to. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So tell us about that balance because you're you're a family man. You've got a you've got a wife. You've got a daughter. You're you're you know full time working as well. How does how does the the community and the hobby like uh, become part of your life? Are you somebody who paints every day, talks talks forty k in the hobby every day? Somebody who's like a you know once a week just with your mates or when you see people in person? How's it become a facet of your your life? Um, you know, it's obviously COVID has has changed things and um. You know, I'd be ramping up to go to an event almost once a month, and it would be usually a local event. And then there'd be the big ones every year. Like ATC, I'm never going to miss. LVO, I'm never going to miss. Nova, uh, I, I try not to miss. Uh, those are the, the big ones that I love to go to. And then, uh, obviously, Warzone is my event. That's It's not my event. It's Kelly and, and the general staff's event and Steven's event. But that's I feel like that's my hometown GT, even though it's in Atlanta. Um, yeah. And then I'll pick up one or two, you know, two rounds, you know, RTTs, GTs, and then WTC. Um, that's that's my balance. That's 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 a lot mm. of travel for me because I also, for my job, I have to travel to a lot of events. And a lot of times when I go to hobby events, I'm there to work and not play. Yeah. Um, you know. Go ahead. So we'll speak more to that. we'll speak more to that specific balance, I guess. Yeah, in part two again. But yeah, as a the one of the little questions I asked in my like deluge of six or seven, I just put on you. Um, how do yeah? How much time do you find for the hobby? Say of a day of a week. Okay. So I I was doing very good about giving myself one hour a day to paint uh, nice. my army. Um, outside of other things that I have to paint for work. That's I I've I've met myself at an impasse recently um i've lost a little bit of motivation to paint my own army but that's also because i've painted four thousand points of it since covid started so mm. um, you know and i don't know what to prep for i don't have an event on the horizon to, that really motivates me to get my nine blade guard done you know what i mean um yeah it will come um right now i'm really excited to be painting some models for my daughter's necron army which is fun uh, but the, you know the reality That's amazing. is yeah well i mean it was kind of fortuitous i figured she's five she could start building an army whenever she wants to uh what army do you want to play we went through the website and i showed her pictures and 
some of the books that I have, and she really liked the robots. So I had two two halves of the the Necrons and the Indominus set. I'm like, those are yours, babe. Like those, you got it. Nice. Um, so they're going to be purple metallic, and it's going to be great. And I'm painting the Void Dragon for a tutorial now, and it's been a great refresher for me. Um, you know, so I tried it. Like I said, I try to give an hour a day to my personal projects. It's not been great the past couple weeks. Um, and I play pretty much once a week with my buddy, John Stovall, uh, who I love nice. to death. Uh, he's my regular sparring partner and, uh, he's just a great guy and we have fun. And, um, that's where I get to kind of get my muscle memory in. And I'm sure that's something mm. you, you'll ask me about the muscle memory on a different <laughs> Most, more than likely especially now you've you've made me do it but uh if so we're probably gonna be closing this out in a couple of minutes but if you so you're a you, you started this hobby as a as a, as a young man you've kind of grown with it and along the time in your, in your length of the hobby you've you know you've gotten a wife you've gotten a child you've um, gotten into full-time work in into this hobby as well if you had any tips for anybody out there like who, who might be a young man or, or woman who doesn't mm-hmm. have any of the, the responsibilities but love this hobby to death. How And it can seem a little bit daunting thinking, oh, man, how the hell am I going to still enjoy this when I've got you know X, Y, Z responsibilities? You got any tips for people to how to balance their life and still get maximum enjoyment out of this game? You have to prioritize. That's that's my thing. Um, this, this hobby of yours can't be your everything unless it is your everything. Uh, mm. but, but I don't, I don't think right now people are making you know $100,000 a year playing 40K. It might be, I don't know if they are good for them. Um, <laughs> you know, if that's the case, everything can, can fall to the back seat, but, um, you have to prioritize and you have to create opportunities for yourself in the community, uh, and in your, mm-hmm. your personal lives with your partners, with your children, your family, with your job and your employer. Um, you have to understand that winning a 40 K event or going to a 40 K event is not going to, at the end of the day, change your life dramatically. And this is coming from a guy who made a podcast about winning a 40K tournament <laughs> and doing it. My life hasn't changed dramatically. I still take out the trash. I, you know, I still cook mm-hmm. dinner every night for my wife. I still have to wipe my child's butt sometimes. Like, you know, it, you're not going to be a rock star if you win a 40K tournament. And if you think that you are a rock star for winning a 40K tournament, I'm sorry for you and the people around you. Um, I'm proud of you for winning it. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, this is still a game and it's still a hobby for us. And you, you Some, gotta put that in perspective. Somebody clip that. And next time Nanavati like wins a GT or something, just play this on repeat. You are not a rock star for winning a 40K tournament. You are not a rock star for winning a 40K tournament. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, well, oh, well, well said, man. I, I couldn't agree more uh, with that sentiment. I mean, no matter no matter how crazy this community gets or how, how big and, and big and it's still just a game in the scheme of things. And there are, there are always going to be things that um, should be more important. Um, but maybe, maybe not, maybe think, maybe you don't love anything more than this, but I mean, it's 40 K unless you are like one of the best in the world or in a couple of years, we have to a place where we have professional players. It's not going to put food on the table. It's not going to keep your belly full for a year playing 40 K. It's not going to keep the lights on or the gas or, uh, the roof over your head. Um, and so, yeah, I do like what you said about prioritizing. Uh, do you have any examples, like any any just examples for yourself, any big hard decisions you had to make, you know, weighing up family responsibility and um, and 40K on your passion for the for the hobby? I mean, I, I 
tons. I mean, I, I could make tons of ex- examples for you. I mean, uh, I get one night a week if I'm lucky to go out and play 40K. Um, but if I'm mm-hmm. looking at my wife and what her week is looking like and if she's stressed out, you know, my wife is six months pregnant right now. And congratulations. You know, oh, thanks. Uh, it's It's amazing. But, you know, if she's having a hard day, and a hard night, and I know that Zoe has dance class. And even though that's my night to get out of the house and go play 40k, am I really? Do I really have something to gain by going, mm. or can I just call John and say, "Hey, man, can we reschedule for next week?" If it's going to make my partner's life easier, that's just yep. like that's one small example. And also, you know, when you're at the event, don't let your your target on the sites get in the way of making a friendship. Um, because I have, I have made so many good friends from this game where at the end of the day, that's been more rewarding than, you know, any medal or award that I've won at an event. And that's, that's that's the most important. That's that's an incredible point. I mean, let's say, let's say you went crazy hard in an event. Maybe you didn't give people the best experience, but you know, you weren't intentionally being, uh, being a dick. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, you fell short by a couple of points, came third. Um, and you might be looking back saying, you know, I, I really wish I had have acted differently. And who knows, maybe acting differently still would have got exactly the same result. So I feel um, you should always try and give someone the experience that you wish you, you, you want to have. And um, I think that's pretty much I, keeping with what you said. I have a perfect example of that too recently. And, um, and, and what I'm, I want to illustrate here is that you're, you're not <laughs> – it's, it's never not a bad time to, to own up to a mistake. Right. So whether Absolutely, that's a mis- a mis- like you misunderstood a rule, which we've all done, like, let's be honest, Adam, we've all misunderstood rules before you and I have shout casted yep. at the same time. And we both had different interpretations of rules and had to dig in. Yep. And look, right. I mean, it's, yep. that's, Absolutely. you're not, you're not a cheater just because you misinterpreted something, but own mm. up to your misinterpretation. That's okay. Or, you know, maybe you're having a bad day or maybe your opponent's having a bad day. Take that into consideration or, you know, I played in a in an event not that long ago, and I played somebody who I have wanted to play for years. Colin McDade, right? He's he's an, you know kind of been an up and comer. You know he's been at the top at a lot of events. He's on Team Texas, and he's a guy that that's reached out to me when I was doing the podcast. And I've wanted to play this guy for a long time, and I decided that at this event I, I can have a couple beers because I haven't in months. I haven't had a drink in months. I'm gonna just enjoy mm-hmm. myself and have a good time. And because I was enjoying the party aspect and not the the comp competitive aspect, I didn't give him a good game. And the next day, I had to go and apologize because that's nice. not that's not the game that I want to give somebody. You know what I yeah. mean? Like mm. I might have been having quote unquote fun or thinking that I was having fun until it wasn't fun, and that can happen in so many different ways. It's not just partaking in the party. It's you know, being chirpy about little rules or little things or just your attitude that you bring to the table. Um, don't shut right. the door before, you know, it's it's open for you. You know what I mean? And uh, that's something that bummed me out. And when I went to Colin, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying it because I was the one that was a dickhead. But like I told him I had been looking forward to this game for a long time. And I, I screwed up that opportunity because I didn't give you the game that I wanted to give you. So we're all human beings. Mm, when we all make mistakes exactly yeah exactly right and i i I just like to point out that i don't know if this is true for me if anybody can relate to this but i I found out 
Um, it probably took me longer to, to discover this than others, but I found out I, uh, I grow so much as more as a human from um, my mistakes than I do from my successes. And uh, especially if I'm willing to own that, recognize them and um, accept them. And the worst thing you can do is make a mistake and then pretend it didn't happen because then, you know, might be doomed to repeat it. But uh, my, yeah. mate, my, my lovely Mr. Abramatitz, that has brought us to an hour and we're going to stop here. First time in history, Adam's going to be like, all right, we got over an hour, calling it quits. We're going to go over, we're going to record part two. In that part two, we're going to talk a bit more about the, mostly we're going to talk about um, content creation. We're going to talk about the best general. We're going to talk about philosophy of content, content creation, evolution as a competitive gamer, the, the big triumphs and achievements um, Mr. Abramatitz has had. And of course, uh, some of the, the, the pitfalls and downfalls as well, as you've alluded to already. And then we're going to talk about WTC coaching. Uh, the experience there, hopes for the future, and uh, what kind of goals this gentleman has. And then lastly, we do have a couple of Patreon questions. So if you are all at all interested in hearing the second part of this, please jump over onto our Patreon. That is um, Art of War, one word, underscore, down under, one word, um, and you'll find us there. Or you can go to the brand new The Art of War 40K website and purchase this one, or you can purchase this one and the regular Art of War podcast for a combined fee that is less than uh the, if you were to purchase each uh, individually so hopefully you'll jump over and join us there adam anything to stay on the say on the way out any any parting wisdoms or mysticism from your big 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 brain <laughs> my big brain i don't have a big brain first of all i don't know I'm, I'm gonna have to learn to speak as fast as you do if we're gonna cover all those topics in the last hour um second of all you know, everybody, if you do want to go back, it's going to be a little bit dated. Please listen to the Best General podcast. If you're trying to improve yourself as a gamer, um, I think that you'll enjoy this. But if you enjoy a personal pursuit, I get no money from you listening. Uh, but I think that there might be something in there for you uh, just hearing the journey because it uh, it wasn't just about yeah. me. It was about, uh, I think it's something that's relevant to everybody. And please visit my company because. They're allowing me to be here at 8.45 on a Friday night talking to you, Adam, and talking to you uh, people out there in the world. Visit the Army Painter at www.thearmypainter.com and look up tutorials if you want to see my ugly face uh, painting models. I'm going to be on YouTube and Facebook. That's it. Phenomenal. Thank you so much, man. And yeah, please do get involved with the Army Painter. Of, of, every, of any... Uh, this is just my experience, but of any and all um, companies out there in our world, in our realm, I just feel like Army Painter have, are involved with more more events, more community-driven enterprises and uh, more altruistic aspects than just about any other. So uh, I'm certainly a supporter, and I hope you will too. And yeah, please check out the um, the Best General Podcast. It is it is true evergreen content. If there ever was evergreen content in this um, eternally shifting landscape of 40K, um, the Best General would be it. Thank you again so much, Adam. Thank you so much for your, your time and your story and your insights. And uh, yeah, we'll jump over and start recording part two. Sweet. Good night and uh, see you around. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.